You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Job chapter 33, verses 1 through 7. Elihu prepares to speak, tells Job not to fear him. Elihu has been introducing himself and his speech for some time, and he continues to do so, possibly to build anticipation for his words of wisdom. He tells Job to listen and pay attention to everything he says. He's about to open his mouth. His words are on the tip of his tongue. And that's another phrase that originated in the Bible, like escaping by the skin of my teeth in Job 19 and 20. He says he is sincere and the words he knows are coming from an an upright heart. He acknowledges that God has created him. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. He challenges Job to stand up and argue his case before him. Has he not been listening all this time? Job has done that. Then he reminds himself that he and Job are both made from the dirt. Therefore, Job need not feel intimidated by him, for he won't be harsh against him. I am the same as you in God's sight. I, too, am a piece of clay. No fear of me should alarm you, nor should my hand be heavy on you. Job earlier recognized he was formed from the clay. Job 10.9 says, Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? Verses 8-11, through Elihu misquotes Job to accuse him. Like the other three men before him, he mixes truth and error. It's interesting how we can say something and people hear something completely different or misunderstand our meaning. And that's what happens here. Job had claimed he was not wicked as they asserted, but was a man of integrity and righteousness. He said he was outwardly blameless, in that he could not be found guilty of wrongdoing. But Elihu says he heard Job say, I am pure, I have done no wrong, I am clean and free from sin. This Job did not say. He did, however, say the rest. Yet God has found fault with me. He considers me his enemy. He fastens my feet in shackles. He keeps close watch on all my paths. He said these things in 13, 24, and 27, and 16, 9. Verses 12, 13. God doesn't answer to man. Elihu plainly tells Job he is wrong in this, because God is greater than any mortal. He asks Job why he complains to God for not responding to him, because he is not accountable to man. We are to submit to God. He doesn't submit to us. Elihu insists that Job's main problem is that he charges God with guilt for bringing this trouble into his life. Verses 14 to 18. God speaks to men through dreams and visions. Elihu explains to Job, as if he didn't know, that God does speak in various ways, In dreams, when people are in a deep sleep on their beds, he speaks in their ears and terrifies them with warnings, and he does this to turn them from wrongdoing and keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. It's always good to notice verbs in a sentence. He turns them, keeps them, and preserves them from perishing. Elihu is telling Job that when God speaks, he is trying to save a person from a worse fate than they are currently experiencing. In this case, the pit, 
which was a reference to the realm of the dead. He uses this phrase four times in this chapter. Their understanding of hell was not as clear as ours is, because Jesus spoke more on hell than heaven. And as we mentioned before, during these early days in redemptive history, there was likely no written scriptures. So other than an oral tradition of what God had done, God spoke through other means. Verses 19 through 30, God speaks through the experience of pain and suffering. Elihu speaks generally of someone whom God chastens on a bed of pain with constant distress in their bones so that their body finds food repulsive and their soul loathes the choicest meal. Their flesh wastes away to nothing and their bones, once hidden, now stick out. And these are all things Job had complained about. So he was implying that Job was the one whom God was disciplining for some wrong, even if he wouldn't say it directly. He said that person was marching to the pit or death as if to an executioner. In Ezekiel 22.30, God says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Elihu says, but wait, if there was an angel at their side, a messenger to tell them how to live uprightly, he would be gracious to that person and say to God, spare them from going down to the pit, I have found a ransom for them. And Elihu is attempting to paint himself as that messenger, who is pointing Job in the right path. Elihu paints a picture of a complete reversal of their present suffering, describing flesh renewed like a child's, restoration to the days of their youth, answered prayer, a restored relationship with God, joy and well-being. They will testify to others that they had sinned and perverted what was right, and yet still didn't get what they deserved. They will say that God had delivered them from going down to the pit. They will again enjoy the light of life. He says God will do these things to a person two, even three times, for the purpose of turning them back from the pit, so that the light of life may shine on them. He was saying that God allows suffering for spiritual benefit, and this was true, and an argument unlike the other three friends put forward. But like the others, he implied that to get that spiritual benefit, Job had to first confess his sins. Verses 31 to 33, Elihu claimed he was on Job's side. Elihu wanted Job's attention, but was willing to hear anything he had to say, claiming he was not his adversary, but wanted to vindicate him. But if he had nothing more to say, then he should stay quiet while he spoke, and Elihu would teach him wisdom. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or an application to the Gospel do we find in this chapter? During this time in redemptive history, without the written scriptures, other than an oral tradition of what God had done, God spoke through other means, such as dreams and visions. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it compares how God spoke in the Old Testament and the New. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. While Elihu is attempting to paint himself as that messenger who is pointing Job in the right path, it sounds much like a hint of the gospel, 
and Jesus who steps in to save sinners, becoming a ransom for them, and mediating between the sinner and God, so that they are spared. Mark 10.45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We saw elsewhere in this book that Job called him his Redeemer and his Mediator. Now he is the Messenger and the Ransom. Matthew Henry says, He is both the Purchaser and the Price, the Priest and the Sacrifice. So high was the value of souls that nothing less would redeem them, and so great the hurt done by sin that nothing less would atone for it than the blood of the Son of God who gave his life a ransom for many. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P.H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Job chapter 34. May God bless the study of his word.